Well, hello, everybody, and welcome to The Cosmic Connection. This is your place to explore the beauty and the order of the cosmos and your connection to it all. We're so happy that you joined us here today. Thank you so much. My name's Amanda Poole-Walsh. I'm the founder of Astrology Hub. I am here with Rick Merlin Levine, our very favorite cosmic navigator here. And yeah, you are. You're a cosmic navigator. Um, we're going to be looking into June today. So before we go there, and this is, I can't wait to hear what you have to say about June. Um, before we go there. Me, me have, either, me either, because I don't have a clue yet as to what it's I'm just going to come. <laughs> Perfect. Uh, a couple announcements. The first one is that the wait list for the chart reading experience that we're going to be having with Rick in August, where every week he is going to be doing a live chart demonstration, a live chart reading with an individual from the audience. And he's going to be reading the chart and explaining why he's saying what he's saying about the chart live. And so this is our version of the level three of Astrology Foundations. It's it's actually at the point where we just realized you need to start practicing, you start doing it and, and experiencing it. So you're going to get to watch Rick do that. Um, and the wait list for that is now open. So if you think you want to join us for that, hop on over to the wait list. It's astrologyhub.com slash charts. That's astrologyhub.com slash charts. And you'll be the first to know when we open up registration. Yeah. And you know, it's really interesting because we're so used to learning astrology by looking at charts of friends, exes, family members, famous dead people, famous people who are famous that we wish were dead. No, you know, but, but we're, but we're always looking at charts of people out there. And what this does is this gives the participants a chance to actually experience the rubber hitting the road because we, because in effect, I will be talking to the person whose charts being done as if they were a client and they will be talking to me responding to what they're hearing. But then I'll be looking over here and saying, so here's why I'm talking about this. And now we're going to ask the client, what do they feel about what we said and what do they have to add? Because the clients in this case will also know something about astrology or their chart. So it's really fascinating. And 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 it takes a little bit of, um, uh, it's a Yiddish word, chutzpah, because <laughs> Because which is like kind of like guts, you know, yes. because because there's no way you can script a session. Right. So which yeah, just makes I'm, it very exciting for all of us as well. So, and for me. Yeah. Ah! Ah, fun. <laughs> uh, thanks for having the chutzpah. Am I saying that right? <laughs> no, you, you got you got it. You got to sound like you're ready to cough something up. It's fail. All right. Well, thank you. Um, we're really looking forward to that. It's going to be uh, four weeks in August. So I I'm sorry, that's not making sense. It's going to be once a week for all four weeks of August. There we go. Correct. Once Correct. a week for all four weeks in August. Um, I don't have the exact days and times yet, but even if you can't join live, you'll get the recording. So that's coming up soon. Again, that's astrologyhub.com slash charts. The second thing is we have our free solstice panel happening next week, June 3rd, featuring seven different astrologers talking about 
the rest of 2021 and into 2022. So these are the next seven inner circle guides in our in our inner circle, um, including Judith Hill, Cameron Allen, Amalie Grace, Divine Harmony, Kira Taborn, Tom Jacobs. I'm probably missing someone. I think I am. I'm so sorry. I'll look at the list. But those are going to be that's that's a really cool group, though. Yeah, it's a great group. It's going to be super fun. Um, and oh, that's also entertaining because you can't script that either. I mean, that's just it is what it is. And the astrologers play off each other and they're going to be looking into the future for all of us and telling us what's to come energetically, astrologically. So you can register for that now at astrologyhub.com slash solstice panel. That's astrologyhub.com slash solstice panel. That's entirely free. If you are an inner circle member, you don't need to register. We're going to make sure you get all the information that you need. But if you're not an inner circle member, make sure you register. And again, even if you can't join live, register so we know to send you the replay of that. Okay, so Rick, we're looking at June. What's the theme? What's the overarching thing that, that's going to be present? Do you know that old thing of having, remember when there used to be record players and and when you had a record that had like a deep scratch in it, and it and and it got to that point 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 point, point there's like a broken record where it kept playing that thing again and again and again. Then you had to go over and lift the needle <laughs> off the record and move it on the other side of it so that you could get past that same repeating thing. Well, I feel like a broken record mm. because because last year when we looked ahead at two thousand twenty twenty one. And you said, so what's the theme of the year? I said, it's the old versus the new, which was one of many ways of categorizing or uh, can you can you mottoize something, turning something into a motto or sloganize it? It was a way of, of taking that Uranus, new, Saturn, old, that square. And because that square was pretty much active for the entire 2021 and even somewhat into 2022, I said old versus new. And then when we did the January forecast for the month, that came back up again because that square was pushing. And then when we did February, well, duh, that was the first of these three squares. And so in February, what was the theme of the month? Well, it was the old versus the new. And then in March and April, we had transiting planets to that, and it's still the theme. But here's the deal. June is Act 2 of what will be a three-act play. I want to say it's a four-act play, but it's actually a three-act play with a – what do you call it? It's not, In a book, it would be an epilogue, but it's a three-act play with, a, with some sort of encore something that has a whole bunch of twists to it. <clears throat> And so act one of this technically was at the Saturn Uranus square in mid February after the Jupiter Uranus square in mid January. And a lot of this in the United States, at least um, surrounded two or re really three major issues that just seem to be, you know, repeating and repeating and repeating for good reason, because things tend to repeat until they're resolved. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, one of those three um, issues was the um, I, I, I want to say the the young versus the old instead of the uh, new instead of the um, uh, old versus the new, but it's the young 
and the old, but that's kind of difficult to really pull off in theory because it was really back then it was Biden Trump, so to speak. It was that transition of power in January and February. That was, that was how the, one of the ways in which the Uranus Saturn um, or the Saturn Uranus square was playing out. By the way, I often correct myself when I say Uranus Saturn square, because it's good astrological uh, languaging to use the faster planet first. Hmm. And, and and it there are times when that's cumbersome and it doesn't work but but it's more it's more corrector <laughs> to, um, to say uh, Saturn squares Uranus than to say Uranus squares Saturn because the faster planet is acting on the slower planet so um, I began to say Uranus Saturn square because somehow that flows off the tongue easier but it's a Saturn Uranus square. So the first of those three squares in 2021 was in mid-February, one of the issues being um, the the whole transition of power and the um, January 6th insurrection was tied into that energy. Um, And then the, um, the second piece of that, of course, is the difference in how uh, the power structure responded, let's say, to that January insurrection day compared to, let's say, some Black Lives Matter or post-George George Floyd protests, that the response then stirred up issue two, which has been stirred up again. We'll get to that in just a moment. But that's the whole issue of um, <clears throat> what I might say is the um, systemic um, you know, racial bias um, in the country, um, which to me and to most people who understand that, it's an absolute no-brainer. But all you got to do is say that and you get this um, Saturnian status quo resistance of saying, no, there's, there's no racial, racial you know, injustice in this country. It's all made up. That's part of the Saturn-Uranus square, though. The third piece of this is the um, uh, is is the uh, COVID nineteen crisis, the pandemic, which, as you know, because we've been talking about this for over a year now, um, I have always said that COVID nineteen is a red herring. Not that it doesn't exist, but that the pandemic is not a viral pandemic of this novel coronavirus that now we're beginning to acknowledge actually might have escaped from from a lab in Wuhan, China. Oh my God, how things come around in the news and the timing. We talked briefly about that off camera, um, that for some reason that's now back in the news, you know, where it was put to rest, even though many people, people who are paying attention, you know, know that this virus was not a naturally occurring virus and that what are the odds, you know, of, of it coming um, in a city where they were experimenting on that exact type of virus. But I'm not jumping to conclusions here, and nor do I want to, you know, stir the pot up of people reacting or overreacting one side or another. I'm just saying that this is now back in the news again, like, like, like clockwork. And it's the, the, the cosmic timing of all of this is very significant. So we have three really separate issues, and there are many more issues. I mean, I'm just touching on these three as good examples of what we might call Saturn, which is 
which is the status quo. Saturn is the old. Saturn is the um, is is the um, um, authority authority that is in control. Um, Saturn is the laws of the land and the and the rule makers of these laws. Um, you know, Saturn is the uh, is the boundary. Saturn says you can come this far, but you can't go any further. Saturn makes these limits. It's the speed limit is Saturn. Whenever you say see a sign that says speed limit 30 miles an hour, you know, or 70 miles an hour, that's Saturn. That's creating a limit. When you go 73 miles an hour, that's Uranus. You're breaking the law. <laughs> you know, you're breaking through that limit. Um, but but Saturn is also dad saying, yes, you can go out tonight, but you have to be home by midnight. You know, uh, Cinderella is a good story um, of what happens when one breaks, when one, you know, breaks the, the laws and the limits. And that is often one gets more than they expect. Mm-hmm. Um, but as Saturn is the status quo, the old, the structure, the conservative. And when I say conservative, I don't only mean politically conservative. I mean, fiscally conservative. I mean, I mean, if you have 10 logs and the new and and the next delivery of logs doesn't come for a week and you live out in the wilderness and you can burn a log a day for a little bit of heat saturn says burn one log every day uranus or maybe some other things say you know what it's really cold today let's put three logs on let's burn them all we'll figure out tomorrow when it occurs so um and 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 so those are the three issues now what happens is um, is what happened is that last month in May, I should say really this month because we are recording this on May 27th, but we're looking ahead to June. Um, what happens happened in May is that Saturn turned retrograde. And as Saturn turned retrograde, Uranus still moving direct. Uranus is now catching back up to that square that Saturn was already passed from mid uh, February. And so the second of three exact squares between the taskmaster rule maker authority Saturn and the rebellious younger generation, progressive, radical, um, futuristic um, Uranus, that the second of these squares, remember squares are conflicts. Now, conflicts astrologically are not bad. They're not bad because a conflict actually brings out one's strength. It's the athletic trainer, you know, who says, do another 10 push-ups. Oh, but it hurts. Well, no pain, no gain. You know, it's like, it's like you have to push against those Saturnian limits and it may not feel pleasant while you're going through it, but it's the strength that you build in going through those difficult things that actually allow us to break the speed limit safely, so to speak. I'm not telling anyone they should go out and break the speed limit, although being a four planets in Aries with Mars in Aries person, I have been known to get a speeding <laughs> ticket or three or five. Uh, <laughs> I've been good. I haven't had one for years. I shouldn't, wow. have, said that. I shouldn't have said that out loud. Now the, the reality is going to remind me. <laughs> Um, you notice I didn't say I haven't been speeding. I just said I haven't. Yes, you haven't gotten caught. <laughs> um, so, um, and so what happens on June 14th, incidentally, for those of you who are in the United States, that's Flag Day. 
I, you know, take that for what it, it's worth. It may not be worth anything. It's Flag Day in the United States. It is a holiday. But what that means is that we are within striking distance of the second of three turning points in this larger Saturn-Uranus cycle. Now, Uranus takes about 84 years to go around once. And Saturn takes about 30 years, 29 and a half years, which means that when Saturn's gone around once, 29 and a half, 30 years, Uranus has already moved around almost another half a time. And so it takes Saturn about 45 years, 30 plus a half. It's not exactly that um, because... Uh, well, it's just not exactly that. But but typically between successive um, Saturn-Uranus conjunctions, just like between two successive new moons, we say that's a month. That's, you know, 29 days or so. Uh, during two Saturn-Uranus conjunctions, they can be as fast as about 40 years and as long as about 45. 546 years because of where they fall with respect to Earth's position, retrogrades, blah, 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 blah. Let Gemini Brett explain that one. To see what's going on now, and I say now, I mean 2021, and I mean in particular June of 2021, we really need to stand back a little bit and look at the archetypes of Saturn and Uranus, which is why I started with that, because the more we can understand this ongoing dynamic of old versus new, of conservative versus progressive, of, 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 of old and wise versus young and innocent or stupid. Um, uh, and, and because this is a, an ongoing dance that has, that has gone on uh, forever, uh, both with and without astrology. I mean, it's not just... Um, it's not just astrology where we look at this issue, you know, of the younger generation, so to speak. Um, and that kind of hit a crescendo um, in the mid-60s when there was this real conflict between the old and the new. And sure enough, that was Saturn opposing Uranus. Now, that was compounded because there was also the once every other century Uranus lining up or conjoining Pluto at the same time. So it was even more powerful, but it had the dynamic of the old versus the new. Um, in an opposition, it's more like a war game. <laughs> you know, it's more like a um, projection. It's the, it's the dance of, of the inner and the outer. With the square, it's, it's more like an internal conflict, but it still can be projected. And so in some ways, this Uranus See, I started to say Uranus square Saturn. The Saturn square Uranus is a process that each and every one of us individually is going through as we examine our own positions in our own life, making choices about where do we push forward into new ground? Where do we break out of traditional roles? Where do we... Um, where where do we say, like Ram Das has said, I've been should upon long enough? You know, where do we go? I've been should upon long enough. I'm done with it. I'm going to be me. I'm going to follow my own 
rules. I'm not going to I'm not going to um, um, get vaccinated just because someone's telling me that I should. Um, and that's not meant to be advice one way or another. I'm just using that as an example, because so many of us are going through that process of, well, you know, I don't want to get vaccinated, but but Saturn says I should and therefore I will. Or if I don't, I won't get to visit my family or I won't get to go on this um, vacation that I've dreamed about. Oh, whatever your individual reason is, it doesn't matter. And, uh, and, and although I have my strong feelings about this, and I assume most everyone has their feelings about it, that's not the issue. The issue is that there's two sides of this coin that we find ourselves either falling strongly on one side or another, or we're in dynamic conflict that we then look outside to find how that plays out or to find the meaning out there. Um, but they are ultimately internal conflicts. So coming back to June, what we have in a way is the second of three exact squares. And when we have planets that, that because of the Earth's retrograde motion, it looks like these planets are 90 degrees and then they fall out of 90 degrees and then back. And then it's that retrograde motion that brings that distortion um, of, of what their true angles are if we were to put the sun at the center, but we put ourselves in the center. And there are times when some of these outer planet aspects happen um, all at once, you know, just like boom, done, that's it. it it's like um, some people get a Saturn return and it's on Thursday, January 17th, you know, 1999 was someone's Saturn return. That's it. Then other people get a Saturn return that begins one, one day and then three months later it retrogrades and then eight months six, or six months later, five months later, it goes direct and it turns out to be you know, a nine month process. And, and there's a reason why I'm, I'm talking about this because often you hear people say my Saturn return is next month on Thursday, June 23rd, whatever. I'm so glad that it's just once because I know people, this person says, who have to go through their Saturn return that lasts eight or nine months. And I would suggest that person has it completely backwards. Because when a, when a Saturn return or any of these outer planet aspects um, occur, um, uh, it doesn't, for, for, for example, um, you know, you can have a Saturn-Pluto conjunction, which we had back in January, that occurred once on one day. Boom. That was it. And then other times that Saturn-Pluto conjunction will happen over three times. My suggestion is that having one a one day or an exact one sweep uh, um, aspect, whether it's in the sky or whether it's an aspect to a planet in our own chart, it, it, you're not getting out of jail free <laughs> by having it one time. And in fact, often it's like make you, you can make your choice. I'll take it one time, which means it's going to be a 70 megaton atomic bomb or I'll take it three times over a year and that'll be three loads of dynamite exploding, maybe breaking up some roads. And in between there may be some skirmishes. Um, but, but the longer process gives us time to actually process work with and move through rather than the, um, 
the one-time lightning strike, the single event that can be totally um, uh, disruptive. I mean, it could be totally enlightening too, but more often than not, it seems like they tend to be disruptive. So what we're looking at now is that is the, is a three three prong, a three swinger, so to say, three you know three times through, which means that we really need to look at everything from the end of 2020 all the way through the end of 2022 to really get the full process of what's going on. And yet, like in a play that we go to to, to watch, they have very distinct uh, starting and ending points. You know, the curtain will go up, the play will begin. There may be in act one, three or four different scenes, things going on. Then the curtain goes down, intermission or something, 10 minutes later, boom, it's another act, an entire new act. And then the same thing in a typical quote unquote three act play, uh, which this is. And, and I sometimes think of this as if you're, let's say you're coming into your into a transit in your life, like this um, Saturn square Uranus. Now, everyone is affected by the Saturn square Uranus, but some people are affected more. And one of the ways you can tell whether or not you might be a candidate for having a higher level of, of connection to this, uh, to this transit um, is looking at your chart. And if you have planets in the first half of any fixed sign, because that's where these squares are occurring, uh, they're they're occurring at seven degrees, uh, thirteen degrees, and eleven degrees of Aquarius to Taurus. Um, and so, what that means is that if you have planets at let's say five or five or six degrees of a fixed sign, and that would be um, a Taurus, Leo, a Taurus, Leo, Scorpio, and Aquarius. Um, if you have planets at let's say five or six degrees of a fixed sign to let's say fifteen degrees on the high end of a fixed sign. This square is going to be squaring and opposing uh, your squaring, conjuncting and or opposing your natal planet, which is going to draw you into the cultural, social shift. Sometimes it feels like events that happen out there are like an, oh, my God, that's kind of what I'm going through. And now it's it's everywhere kind of a thing. But if it's a one time sweep, it's OK, done. But with a three-time thing, it's kind of like this. Okay, so like we're driving down the freeway, and um, and we're in a town. We let's say we're driving in L.A. because the freeways are so extraordinarily crazy there, and we're in the far left lane, and um, and um, all of a sudden our GPS says, um, you know, exit to the right in one quarter mile, and we go, oh my god, and you, it, it's like. I have to navigate over through five or six or seven lanes of traffic to be able to get off the freeway and to stay on my exact thing. And I finally do that. And it's panicky because I have to cut in front of someone. And then I got cars, you know, okay. and I finally do it. And I'm now in that new lane of traffic and I go, Oh, wow. Fuck. I did it. And it's like, okay, I can go back to cruising and I get back into the left lane, bring it up to speed. And I see a sign that says your exit ahead one quarter mile. And you go, wait, that's the exit I just took. It doesn't mm-hmm. matter. It's, it's here again. <laughs> He's back. Mm-hmm. And, and, and in a way, often what happens with these kinds of repeating aspects is we think we went through it. 
only to find that now we're getting it again, but we're seeing it from a totally different point of view. Mm-hmm. Um, let's say something happens and we dis- we make a decision to do something. And then at the second, um, uh, the second hit, the retrograde hit, um, we go, oh, my God, I should have never done that. And I reshuffle everything, figure out how to undo what I did, try to get things back on track. And then at the third hit, it's like, no, I really have to do this. And, and so it's often a just like the planets move. Instead of saying it's back and forth, it's forth and back and forth. Yeah. So. Where we are in June, I know that was a long explanation to get here, but where we are in June is we are, um, we're on the second, we're, we're realizing that we have a second exit ramp to take after we think we're already off and out of the congestion. Mm. It's not a complete deja vu, but the issues are all back in front of us. And the issues, again, there are the, the, the big three that, seem to be part of what's going on and that's not to say there aren't many others and if people want to you know drop into into the um you know into the chat box um you know what some of their uh uh conflicts have been um but the big three are systemic racism or let's say systemic racism and then its corollaries of dealing with disenfranchised populations that are disenfranchised by the Saturnian structure. Secondly, um, the political uh, scene of um, conservative versus um, progressive. And and it is interesting that when we look back, um, it was um, um, the single conjunction. There was a single conjunction of Saturn and Uranus, not a three-timer, but a single one in May of 1942. I mean, we're talking, uh, we're, we're talking World War II. We're talking the the culmination, maybe even the ending of, but the culmination of a rise of mass fascism that began back at the previous square in 1930-31. So in 1930 and 1931, there was a five-time... Whoa. There was a five-time thing that went from February of 1930 to um, uh, mid-October of 1931. Now, obviously, we had the stock market crash, you know, in late 29, 29, but that set up the Great Depression, which also set up the New Deal, which is really the footing of our whole um, modern democracy of the state as caretaker, which there's a lot of conservative resistance against that concept. Um, but that was all a result of this Saturn Uranus square. And, and of course, the, during that period of time, that 30, 31 period of time, you know, you had Japan invading China. You had um, uh, Mussolini coming to power, Hitler coming to power. Um, um, he, um, who am I missing? Um, Japan. Oh, and Stalin. <laughs> How could you miss that one? And Stalin coming to power. So we see that this was at the closing square. Now, remember, an opening square is after the conjunction, like a first quarter moon is after the new moon, sun, moon conjunction. The closing, the third quarter square, is prior to the next conjunction. This square that we are experiencing right now is, in fact, a closing square because there will be a conjunction of Uranus of, of, of um, Saturn and Uranus 
uh, on June 28th, uh, 2032, a one-time shot. So Rick, that, that, that all the, those five squares happening in that 1930s, early 1930s, 30, was 31. the opening square. No, that was no. also like this one. A it was a closing square. square. And it was during that period of time when we saw um, the rise of mass European mass fascism. We saw, you know, all of that stuff kind of coming to, to, to fruition with a reaction, at least in the United States, of what some people would call a move towards socialism. Now, I know that word carries a lot of weight, but I just want to point out that if you're really down on socialism, you understand you need to understand that the United States is a state of corporate socialism, just not individual socialism. Although we certainly, you know, um, you know, have certain benefits that come from the state. Um, you know, it, it's more complicated than just the fear over some label is all I'm trying to say. But yes, 1930-31 was the opening, I'm sorry, was the closing um, Saturn-Uranus um, square. In fact, it was after the opposition that occurred in 1918-1919. Can you think of anything that happened in 1918? Spanish flu. <laughs> oh wow yeah wow so we're basically repeating this same flow of energy well here's the thing is is that saturn square uranus is always uncomfortable why mm -hmm. because we know the limits can't go any further without being broken and yet we divide into two camps Let's break the limits, screw them, the hell with them. Let's blow this sucker up. Let's do whatever we need to do to get to where we need to get to. Remember, during that opposition in 1918 to 1920, that was a five-pass one, during that period of time, that's when women got the right to vote. There were people who thought that would be the end of the United States. You know, I mean, when you read about what the actual dynamics were of that, it's frightening for us now, where it's like, I mean, can you imagine a world where the women didn't have the right to vote? You know, I mean, at least in our country. Um, but that was also the Sp Spanish flu. It was also the Russian Revolution. This is after World, the end of World War I. And so that was the opposition that brought those things into being. But it was the closing square that was like the, uh, Dane Rudyard calls the closing square a square of con uh, a crisis of consciousness hmm. because it's already manifested in the opposition. For us right now, um, when we look at, at, at what's going on right now, this closing square um, comes after the opposition that occurred in 2008 through 2010. That was the opposition, again, five times. Can you think of anything that happened in 2008 through 2010? The financial, financial collapse. And Barack Obama being elected president, mm -hmm. you know. And, um, and, and in a way, it was a lot more than that. There was the, you know, worst oil disaster spill in history, the, you know, the deep water explosion in the Gulf of Mexico. Um, mm -hmm. But... Um, you know, it was during that opposition that things fruited. And now during this square, we're being compressed back toward the next conjunction in, in uh, 2032. And yet we still have to face this, this younger generation versus the older generation. You know, that's part. I mean, even though we have a president who is aged, aged, 
um, comparatively speaking. In some ways, he is a figurehead for a much younger, more dynamic wave that's driving his surfboard, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, and and it's and, and it's not that that the Saturnian conservative energy is resisting Biden. They're resisting the wave that's coming in behind him. And and, and yes, Biden is certainly to some extent, you know, um, acting out that 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 energy. Um, but w- bringing this back to June, um, we have basically um, all these issues that we've that that kind of came into light back when all the planets were in Capricorn, when there was this s- systemic meltdown, if you will, systemic being a good Saturnian word, meltdown being a good um, Plutonic word. Um, if you use the word meltdown. Uh, in, 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 in reference to saying the China syndrome, and I don't mean anything to do with Wuhan or the virus, you know, the movie, there's a thing in nuclear um, reactor world where, where although China isn't exactly on the other side of the earth, there's this whole thing that if a reactor melts down, it would go right through the earth and out the other side. And it's called the China syndrome, which was a movie that uh, I think Jane Fonda was in. I, it was a good movie. I don't know. A long time ago. Anyhow, the idea that we have this the, these conflicts, it's like it's coming to a second round. It's coming to another head. And um, and we oh, I mean, I didn't even touch on. I mean, there are so many other issues. This is also tied to the, you know, Brexit, you know, the the collapse of that, you know, old versus new structure of England and its relationship to um, Europe or the a common European market or the, you know, um, the 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 euro was actually created. The euro was actually created in 1999 within a couple of weeks of the Saturn Uranus square. So mm. that's when the euro came into being. But 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 Brexit's certainly a big part of it. Certainly, all border wars are the tension of of how boundaries can hold, whether you're looking at India and Pakistan, whether you're looking at China and Hong Kong, whether you're looking at Israel and (laughs) pick somewhere on the circumference, you know, uh, Gaza, uh, Palestine, Egypt, uh, Lebanon, Syria, uh, Iran, you know, I mean, these are all part of this same, same energy. This is a great um, question from Adrian. What about the whole cryptocurrency piece? Oh, of that? Um, okay. So here's another little piece that I dug out. I'm doing a deep, much deeper dive on Saturn Uranus Square uh, at Norwalk this weekend, in, in 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 a talk that I'm giving at Norwalk. And one of the things that I dug out was that at the last square in 1999. Um, Again, within a, a few weeks, well, within within three weeks of the exact, um, um, no, not 1999, I'm sorry, 2008. Uh, 2008 to 2010 was the opposition. And that's when Bitcoin was established. Wow. Bitcoin was established at the opposition. And, and of course, you know, the signs that these planets are in are significant too. And Uranus is in a sign it doesn't like being in. Can you imagine why Uranus might not like being in Taurus? 
Yes. What, what's a key? What's a key word for Uranus? I mean, what what's what does Uranus do? Change. And what does what does Taurus resist? Change. <laughs> so so part of the dynamic of Uranus in Taurus, which it's been there for like three years, and it'll be there for another four years. It's only barely, not quite halfway through. Um, but part of the dynamic of Uranus and Taurus is that when change happens, it happens. Mm. Why? It gets back to that, would you rather have a transit of one sweep or three? When it's one, if, the, if there's only, if I'm going to resist change, resist it, resist it, let's say I'm granite. Let's say I, I am granite and I am not going to change. It's going to take one shit ton of pressure to make me change. And when it does, it's going to be a 10.0, you know, earthquake, volcano. It's something's going to give in a major way. Compare that with um, sand that changes so easily day to day to day that it'll never quake because it's, it's Gemini. It's adaptable. It's changeable. In Taurus, however, <laughs> change, change is put off until it's so great that the actual tectonic plates have to shift and make major change. And so it's that that Saturn is bumping up against which is why we're on the precipice of such profound and powerful change. Now you brought up the cryptocurrency. The, the reason why we went down that little detour of Saturn and Taurus is Taurus is about money. Taurus is things of value. Mm. And, um, and, and again, you know, uh, Aquarius is the future. And so we're seeing a second bump um, on the cryptocurrencies, Bitcoin in particular, that was founded at the um, opposition, now at the square, is go going through that crisis of consciousness. Is it going to exist or not exist afterwards? Because somehow there's an adjustment and only the things that make it through this crisis stage actually hold on. Otherwise, they uranianly blow, blow up. up. You know, <laughs> so and, what I don't, and, I, and I don't mean that physically. They don't have to. Right. It's not like explosive. It right. just means poof, gone. Right. What about media and the role of media? And is there, because I mean, there seems to be a, a big thread with that too, you know, social media, uh, mainstream media, new alternative media, like all kinds of things coming there too. Yeah. Um, I, you know, I don't have a, a pre-thought out response to this right. other than yeah, it's of changing. course. Right. Yeah, <laughs> well, yeah. it's not just changing, it's changing rapidly. And and you know, I always think of Marshall McLuhan, who talked about how we create media and then media creates us. Mm. We create technology and technology creates us. We build architecture, and then that architecture actually changes who we are. And so right now, because of the shift from the old physical forms, uh, physical being Saturnian, into the metaphysical forms, and I don't mean metaphysical meaning unicorns, rainbows, spirituality, yoga. I mean metaphysical as meaning exactly what it means, that which is alongside and or beyond physics. I mean, metaphysics is just everything that's not physical. Um but we've moved or are moving rapidly from a physical world 
into a metaphysical world. This is a much larger sweep in three or four or 500 years, whatever the human species has evolved into. We'll look back and go, yeah, the uh, 20th and 21st century was the kind of key to where we moved from matter into vibration, you mm -hmm. know, because that's because the media used to be writing something on paper. Right. And then it became stamping something again and again and again, the printing press, physical form. Now, all we do is rearrange electrons and accelerate them at the speed of light. And we can have, you know, 10 or 20,000 people watching this interview. Boom. You know, um, as as my one of my favorite people in the world, the people who know me know this um, is Amanda Palmer. Um, uh, singer, songwriter, um, married to Neil Gaiman, the amazing author who wrote American Gods and, and, and all kinds of other wonderful stuff. Amanda Palmer's byline for many, many years has been, we are the media. We are the media. And the, and the good news, mm, no, the news, <laughs> because, it, because it isn't necessarily always good. The news is that in days of physical media, Everything took time to be printed, distributed, read, acknowledged, reread. I mean, I was thinking the other day of relationships that I had back in the 70s where the relationship was letter writing. Mm. You know, it was too expensive to pick up a phone and make a call, mm. you know, because you got charged 25 cents for the first minute and then 17 cents or something like that or 35 for every minute after that. And if you made a long distance call, you were on and off as quickly as you could. Uh, otherwise, you'd have these crazy phone bills. So as we move from particle to wave, what happens is particles have a lag. Um, it's, it's, why, it's, it's, it's why the first day of summer isn't the hottest day of the year. The, you know, the longest light, the most heat that day, it's not until mid-Leo, until August in the Northern Hemisphere, at least, where the lag of seasons heats up. Well, astrologically, there are those same type of events where we get the aspect. We might feel it individually, but when we look at the big cultural shifts, sometimes it takes weeks, months, or even a year or so for an aspect to play on through historically. Now, by that same concept, we live in a world now where people can change everything in a moment's notice. We could shift on a dime. Uh, I, I think of uh, Buckminster Fuller, um, who used to have um, he used to have a saying that, that that he would use again and again, and he would say, "I am Trim Tab. Call call me." That's what he said. Call me Trim Tab. Uh, do you know? Have you ever hear, heard that saying? Do you, yeah. do you know what a Trim Tab is? No. All right. So he would then go on to explain that the rudder on the Queen Mary, large, you know, uh, you know, ocean going cruise ship, the rudder on the Queen Mary is four stories tall. There's no way a human being could move that rudder. However, at the bottom back, the rear bottom of the rudder, there's this thing called a trim tab. And it's about three or four feet square. And when you're steering the Queen Mary, what you're doing is you actually move that little rudder and it creates a drag that shifts slowly the larger four-story rudder that then moves the entire ship. 
And he used to say, call me trim tab because the little things that I'm doing are creating a drab drag, a drag that will eventually alter the direction of the ship of state. Hmm. Great wow. concept. Great yes. concept. Yes. So, so back to the, right, now. <laughs> uh, right. But back to the media thing is that, yes, there still is that effect and there are still needs for that, especially when we get into the social structures, the institutions, the, the corporations, the government structures, but in our individual lives, boom, I'm changed this way, that way. I, I, I can be going 110 miles an hour in one direction and then stop on a dime and go in another direction. And in a way, that's the beauty. That's the good news. That's the potential of what's going on. Mm. The, ba the bad news is that when we stop on that dime, we're not necessarily individually in control of what direction we will go in. Because we have this square between Saturn, the old, the stayed, the break. Saturn is, uh, William Blake um, wrote in his Proverbs from Hell, he wrote, there's a great line, and it's kind of one of those conundrum puzzlers that you have to think on. Um, he wrote this. He wrote, uh, damn braces, bless relaxes. Damn braces. All right. Uh, you know, so a brace is something that holds you in. Uh, you know, so damn braces, they hold you in. So if there's such a thing as braces, why isn't there such a thing as relaxes? Mm. Because damn braces bless relaxes. And, and, and in a way, Saturn is braces. Saturn is, Saturn is the constraining factor of being in jail, of having to follow a law, of having to follow the rules of doing what government says, doing what, what is required, majority rules. Well, I'm not in the majority, but somehow, therefore, I am confined by that rule, so to speak. Um, that's Saturn. Uh, Uranus, on the other hand, says, break loose. And so, um, in a way, that becomes, anyhow, we've probably beat this to death or to life or whatever, but that's not the only thing in June, but that is, that is a major and significant turning point. Um, and, and it may be that it will take until July, August, or September, again, for us to see really what happened in June, just like it maybe took this long for us to begin to see what really happened back in January, February, March at the first square. What makes this square even more um, interesting um, is that within a few days of the square, we have an eclipse. Mm. And so we have an eclipse on June 10th. And that eclipse on June 10th um, is um, it, it, it's actually um, the, the actual time of the eclipse I have right here. Yeah, it, it, it's at um, 4 p.m. Can that be right? Is it exactly 4 p.m.? Um, I have it at 4 p.m. Um, Seattle time, so that would be 7 p.m. Uh, East Coast and whatever time it is for you in Hawaii. My brain doesn't work when it's on daylight savings time. Uh, four, one. Five, one. 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 Well, wait. Did you just? No, okay. no it's a.m. 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 It's early in the morning. Um, and um, uh, let, let me just confirm that time, which I can do really, really quickly. There it is. It's June 10th, and it's actually at 3.52. So 4 o'clock is close enough for us right now. 3.52 a.m. in Seattle. Now, that eclipse occurs at 19 degrees of Gemini. But Mercury, 
which is still retrograde. Remember, Mercury is turning retrograde in a few days, and it will be retrograde for much of um, for for much of the month. Um, Mercury turns direct on June twenty second, but on June tenth, retrograde Mercury is just coming across the sun, which means that this conjunction of the sun and moon this um, this uh, total eclipse of the of the sun is also conjunct retrograde mercury meaning that here on earth if you drew a straight line to the moon and then you kept going to the sun that mercury would be in between the moon and the sun on the way to the sun so the sun mercury moon earth are all in a straight line uh, mercury is actually um off by um, by less than by less than a degree, um, twenty thirty nine. Yeah, by by just a by just a degree. Uh, no, actually, less than a degree. Which means that this that there will be a communication piece of this conjunction that, interestingly enough, is how do I want to say this? Is reflective upon the current eclipse that we had yesterday morning. Because that eclipse yesterday morning was a Sagittarius full moon, but that but but even though the Sagittarius full moon was Sagittarius to the sun in Gemini, the strongest aspect of the day was the fact that direct Mercury, Mercury still direct, although it's slowing down to station, has been conjunct Venus, and the two of them were square Neptune. And so now this next eclipse with retrograde Mercury backing into that same degree is squaring Neptune again. Oh. And so we have this whole thing of what's what's real? Who whose illusions are you going to believe? Um, <laughs> you know, it's um, it's it's very 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 much that. And because even today, the day after the eclipse, um, today is you know the eclipse was yesterday. But we have today um, the Venus making the exact square to Neptune, whereas Mercury made the exact square to Neptune a couple days ago. So that energy is is is, is really playing, and um, and and what I wrote today on my daily blog, which as I know you know many of the viewers here know that they can find that on Instagram at Rick Levine Astrologer. But what I wrote for today is, and this plays for the eclipse. This is why I'm reading this, because the eclipse that's coming up on June 10th has the same energy to it. And it's what we see is not what we get. In fact, hidden feelings, shadowy plots, and unconscious motives all play roles in the still unfolding circumstances of the day. Um, it goes on with stuff that's more more specific to that, but that whole thing with the square to Neptune, it's it's not clear. Even though we might think that what we're getting is a clear download of what's supporting what we thought we knew, you know, things are still in flux, and so ah. we have this eclipse that actually is, is adding to that. Oh, and the other thing that's very significant about um, about June and ties into the eclipse is that on June 5th, Mars opposes Pluto. Now, remember, Pluto is the last of the lingerers, um, loiterers, um, still hanging out in Capricorn, 
And although our energy is all focused on Aquarius and Pisces and all this other stuff, you know, Pluto is still doing its uh, kind of roto-rooter, cleaning out the pipes, its deconstruction of what is not yet being reconstructed. And so on June 5th, um, Mars opposing Pluto um, comes in into the mix and um, and, and I think that that's an important piece of this because that is about power struggle. That That is certainly about power struggle. And yet Neptune still plays a role in all of this because Pluto makes a trine with Neptune before its opposition um, to Pluto, which still says that somehow we get to move through this like a f- fish moving through water or maybe like a knife cutting through soft butter. It's like you can curve it. You know, it's not it's not a straight line. Fishes fish don't swim like that. They swim like this. You know, they head towards something by approximation. And so the Mars trining Neptune, which is exact on June 21st, is actually um, no, that's the Venus trine Neptune. I'm sorry. The 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 Mars trine Neptune is already this month. It's it, it's it's done. Mars trine Neptune on the 30th of, of this month. So Mars tries Neptune and then opposes Pluto, but it's almost like we can create this bubble of dreams, imagination, where what we dream and imagine actually can fuel what we create. But then it runs into Pluto, which in some ways is like a super Saturn. Uh, In other words, if Saturn is the rules and the law, Pluto is the stuff that's holding those rules and law together, that even though we might feel like we've convinced dad to let us out, (laughs) <laughs> on a Saturday night, there's still a price to pay, <laughs> you mm. know? And so that Pluto opposed, uh, opposed Mars is, I think, uh, is, is a, um, is, I'm sorry. Yeah. The Mars opposed Pluto um, is a big piece. Also in June, we have Mars changing signs and, you know, this is uh, whenever planets change signs, obviously not so much the moon um, because the moon heck changes signs, every couple of days. Uh, But we have um, uh, Mars moving into Leo on the 11th. And Mars has been in cancer where some astrologers would say Mars has been a bit debilitated. As we've talked about this before, I'm not sure that it is, but it's certainly less likely to pull the trigger. And Mm -hmm. I don't necessarily mean on a gun. I mean, to initiate uh, proactive information uh, or proactive um, activities, uh, initiatives. But on June 11th, when Mars moves into in, into Leo, I think we will see a little bit more. Uh, uh, what's the right word? Flags waving and 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 knives. What's that? Is saying knives being brashed or shown or gunned? There's some word that basically is like you know, it's like the talking tough. It's like the being being a little bit more showy and outgoing with what you know with with what you are asserting. On June 20th, which is the first day of summer, the sun moves into Cancer. So we're not completely done with this kind of internal um, self-protective energy. And then on the 26th, Venus moves into Leo. So by the end of June, we have both Venus and Mars in Leo. And that is a huge uh, uh, change, even though uh, the sun is still lingering back in Cancer. And in fact... Mercury is still lingering back in Gemini because even though 
um, Mercury turns direct on, um, on, what did I say, the 22nd, I think I said. Um, even though Mercury turns direct, um, uh, yeah, um, well, Ju- yeah, Mercury turns direct on the 22nd, um, it's still in Gemini. And, and so Mercury stays in Gemini um, all the way until mid-July, um, even though there are planets now, and particularly Venus and Mars, often Leo, which is like summer. It's like show it all. It's like it's like be uh, you know outside and uplifting and, and uplifted and so on. Um, those are the major sign changes. We also have some retrograde activity coming up in June. Uh, Jupiter turns retrograde on June twentieth, and Neptune turns retrograde on the twenty fifth. Uh, and, and of course, we mentioned that Mercury turns direct on the twenty second. Uh, <clears throat> the Jupiter and um, Neptune retrogrades, they are both in Pisces. And of course, Jupiter will retrograde out of Pisces and back into Aquarius by the end of July. But for a while, they are both um, retrograde and in Pisces. You had mentioned before we went live that you'd spoken to Barbara Han Clow. Many people know and respect her work, and that she had talked about Neptune and Pisces being the uh, martyr or the savior. Savior, yeah. Well, I, I, I added or martyr. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and I would say the same is true with Jupiter because it's a Piscean energy. And with Jupiter and Neptune there together, we certainly can pick something to be you know, the, the target of that which saves us or, or set someone up to become a martyr for someone who didn't quite save us but could have, so to speak. Um, mm. And whether we, I think you'd mentioned that some people might believe that the vaccine is the current savior. Um, there are certainly other people who would argue not. Um, but, um, you know, then there are those people who might say that that Jupiter and Pisces might represent Trump, the martyr, who has maybe uh, may fall from grace. I know there are still people who think that he will assume his rightful role and finish out this term as president, but <laughs> whatever. Um, okay, so the other the other thing though, so we have both Jupiter and Neptune turning retrograde, and so now what we have is four outer planets retrograde, um, not Uranus. But we have Saturn, we have Jupiter, Saturn, Neptune, and Pluto all retrograde, which again is creating this deeper swirl. I know a lot of astrologers um, uh, put words around what a particular retrograde means and what goes inward, and, and and I'm not against any of that. But from these purposes of looking at the month, I think it's less significant to talk about how Jupiter takes opportunities and gives us a chance to rework them and how we go inward on all that's true. But I think with these four planets retrograde, it creates kind of like a deep ocean current that's going counter to the way the tides seem to be moving up here. Mm. And it's not until those planets will turn direct in winter that we will begin to see what it is that they've been building in internally. So you don't think we can have a sense for that? Is it really happening kind of behind the scenes or out of our awareness? You know, I think people can have senses of it. I, I, I would not speak of it only because I, I mean, I, again, when you look at the various issues at play, 
I think you could just assume, you know, that there are backwashes going on that, that are not part of your immediate life, but maybe part of someone else's that are actually that just because they're not on the headlines in the news today doesn't mean that there's not movement going right. on. Right. Okay. Well, Rick, it sounds like we have a huge month and we, we get to use our old versus new theme again. Right. Again, I, again and again. And again. I'm wondering, you know, one of the questions I keep having throughout this year, whenever you bring up the old versus the new is this kind of Neptunian nebulousness that I feel around what is actually old and what is actually new. And do you think you just that, nailed you just nailed a big big issue? Go go ahead. Well, I'm wondering if by December, by the end of these squares, we may have some more clarity around that. What is actually old and what is actually new? I don't think so. I I, I think well, I'm, and I and I don't know that we ultimately can because the old and the new are great ways of classifying things. But just because we classify something that way, it doesn't mean that it wouldn't work if we reversed it. Right. You know, we look at things that are, you know, that, that you can become so conservative, so fundamental, so clear in your own structure that an outsider looks at you and goes, you're a total Uranian. You're totally disconnected from the current world. And you're, and you're in some ways you're more radical than the progressive left-wing radical. And so it's not, you know, we use these terms and they're, and they're really, they're descriptions of convenience, but they, but, they, but they are tricky because remember Saturn and Uranus used to be one thing. They used to be Saturn, <laughs> that yeah. Saturn, Saturn ruled both Capricorn and Aquarius. And so Saturn was not only the rule maker, but Saturn was also the inventor the scientist, the surgeon who actually knew the rules well enough that they knew how to bend them a bit. There was a bit of, there's a bit of magician in the Saturnian, but we moderners have kind of taken that out of Saturn. Then we go look at Saturn as just the fuddy duddy who says no, which is not the case at all. It just says, here's the natural limit. And yet once we learn how to work with the Uranian energies, you know, it's, it's what old, what's, what's old is new again, you know, and what's new is nothing new under the sun. Both of those are true. Uh, there's one other thing though, I absolutely need to touch on because it would be misleading if we didn't. And it's something that seems to be largely falling, um, falling through the cracks in a lot of discussions about the um, Saturn square Uranus. And I have to say, I, although I know I've mentioned it in the past, um, that I also sometimes just forget to talk about it because the Saturn square Uranus is just like so amazingly, powerfully, overwhelmingly, um, whatever. But on June 23rd, Saturn, okay, so Saturn squares Uranus on June 14th, but less than a week later, actually just, yeah, just slightly less than a week later, Saturn makes a sextile to Chiron. So we have, we have Saturn in the sky at about 12 degrees, 12, 13 degrees of Aquarius, Jupiter at 12, 13 degrees of, um, uh, of, of Taurus, and Chiron at 12, 13 degrees of Aries. What's easy to forget here, and it's important that we don't forget because this is, this is the healing, is that although Saturn squared Uranus on February 17th, it also sextiled Chiron on February 9th. 
Although Saturn squares Uranus on February 14th, it sextiles Chiron on June 23rd. And although Saturn squares Uranus on Christmas Eve Eve, as you know, my favorite holiday, um, December 23rd, it also squares, it also sextiles Chiron on November 26th. Hmm. What this means November is November 26th? You're saying November? November. Yeah, okay. yeah, uh, right. yeah, the month, month prior. They've, they've okay. opened up a little bit in their distance. Got it. Um, but what this means is that although Saturn, the old, the status quo, the stable, is at odds with and in a creative, hopefully strengthening conflict with Uranus, the progressive and the breaking through, that at the same time, in and around those same three dates, Saturn also makes a supportive um, sextile with Chiron, the healer, the mentor, the teacher in Aries, who's teaching us new ways to heal old wounds. And mm. so we have here um, a metaphor for working with those disenfranchised parts of us that we've excluded, that we've that we've said, no, we can't heal this, you know, because remember Chiron's wound is you can't heal it. But right. here with the sextile to Saturn, you know, and um, and interestingly enough, um, you know, Saturn, Satyr, Satyr, um, and and Chiron actually have some. They're they're both rather serious. I mean, Chiron Chiron is an anomaly because all the other all the other centaurs, including Sagittarius, were party animals. You know, they were half human, they were half animals. That man, they did some crazy shit that would make. You know, that would make us moderners blush. Okay, maybe not me. But <laughs> but Ch Chiron was a bit too serious for that. Mm. And so with that Saturn sextile in Chiron, I think it's, it's an opportunity and an opening for us to do some healing work, which leads me now to the conclusion of what all this actually means. In a square, you cannot pick one planet and and... Uh, and unpick the other. In a square, if you, if you have two planets that are square, those planets are pulling in different directions, but together they can pull the same way. Because if you think of the 90 degree angle, the halfway point is like a 45 to both of them. And yet both have to give a lot in order to go that way. What happens is that Saturn without Uranus collapses on the heaviness of its own authority. It becomes dead. It, it, it becomes, it, it's, it, it's its own demise because it loses the animating spark, which is lightning, which is Uranus. It's that awakening factor. It's the thing that keeps it new and keeps it exciting. So Saturn needs Uranus to stay alive, even though it might say, no, 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 that's not okay, that's not okay. That's what energizes that need to create the sta stability of the status quo. The flip side of that is that Uranus without Saturn basically has <laughs> no system. <laughs> you know, there are no roads, bridges. There is total anarchy. There is total chaos. Now, there are people who say that that might be a necessary phase to go through to get to where we're going. Maybe it is. I'm not. I'm not. Uh, I'm not weighing in heavily on this one way or another. I'm just saying that without Saturn, we can't sustain the push into the future. Hmm. You know, we can talk about Uranus as technology, but without the structures that are making the technology, all of a sudden there's no technology. You yeah. know, without 
w w without the stability of holding the rules and the laws together, which we get, we're trying to change. On the other hand, without them, Uranus all by itself um, needs Saturn. And so I think that part of the lesson of 2020, 2021 into 2022, and remember this Uranus-Saturn, Saturn-Uranus square, even though it's exact three times the last time um, it is Christmas Eve Eve of 2021, by fall of 2022, they're back within three quarters of a degree of being exact. They don't reach exact again, but they're close enough. That's the epilogue. I said it's a three-act play wow. with with an encore or an epilogue. There must be a word in, in, in theater for to describe that that last little piece maybe someone will plop that in the chat box but i don't know what that word is anyhow so that's uh those are two important points one you know one being the chiron piece in all of this and secondly i don't care how militant and i don't that's bad word because i don't necessarily mean uh i don't care how passionate better word <coughs> i don't care how passionate someone is on either the saturnian side and whatever they think that might mean, or on the Uranian side, and or whatever they think that might mean. It doesn't matter. Without both sides to this, we, we will all lose. And mm. so that's the that's the, the the dance is a dance of engagement, you know, of of meeting those conflict points and not just losing one's temper and becoming Uranus and taking out the dynamite and blowing it all up. And on the other hand, not just being a Saturnian and taking out the jail cell key and locking everyone up, you know, neither one of those two solutions are going to work. Mm, and so wow. will and we see, get it? I, I mean, okay. I have a question. And then, I mean, it seems like what's underneath our desire to do either one of those things is the most important thing to look at. What's under what's underneath in, in, the in, 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 unless that whatever's underneath the desire is only fear, which it is for a lot. Of well, people. it is. And so that's where the work is for all of us, because yeah. that's that's yeah. what's yeah. either making that impulse towards the lock everything up or the impulse towards blow everything up. It's, it's what's under that. That's really interesting to look at. And maybe yeah. that's what we're getting to do all year, because as you've said many times, the the epidemic of fear, the pandemic of fear is what is actually really rampant for all of us to see. Um, Rick, there was something else you said. Oh, I'm curious to know if that Chiron or what the Chiron positioning was in that 1930s period when they had the similar squares. You don't have to look right now and we're actually running out of time, but okay. um, maybe we can talk about that next time because that's curious to see if maybe this time we don't have to actually repeat history, that there is a resolution or a supporting energy to help us work beyond some of this wounding. That seems... Actually, actually Saturn was in Taurus and it was trining Chiron. Uh, Sat yeah. Saturn was in Capricorn trining uh, Chiron in Taurus. Hmm. And one might argue that even though that time was very difficult, ultimately we worked our way through it. Well, yeah. <laughs> and we, we learned a lot, right? Yeah. I mean, oh, and also, like, also, also during that period of time, uh, that Saturn, which was squaring Uranus, was was in a grand trine with Chiron in Taurus and Neptune in Virgo. So there was basically an Earth grand trine with Neptune basically saying, 
No one knew what was going on. No one knew what was going on. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I think there's so many times where you look back at that time period and it's like, how could how could these things have happened? How could have it been allowed? How how and I've often wondered what what it would have been like to be alive during those times and what decisions I would have made and what you know what would okay, I have well, been well, well, to do? stop. You are alive during those times and you are doing your best to make the decisions that you probably would have right made. Right now. I know before yeah. this time though, back in the, you know, before yeah. this time, I was like, wow, I wonder what it would have like been like to be alive. And how would I have responded to all these events that are happening? Right, right, so right. yes, it's happening right now. Okay. So we have the big theme of old versus new. We're having the second act in a third act play that also has an encore that we're looking for the the name for that. Yeah, actually, uh, someone someone typed epilogue. Maybe the word that Rick Teresa typed epilogue was, but an epilogue actually refers to a book, I believe. Right. Uh, um, but but I don't know. Thanks, Teresa. Right. Anyhow. Okay, so that's the major event of June. Is this second act? We may not know exactly what that is until later, just like it's all starting to emerge, like what was happening January, February, March, and the implications of that are happening now. Um, maybe, maybe <laughs> we don't even know the implications of that either. That this is this ongoing clash of the status quo, authority, uh, the laws of the land, the rule makers, the boundaries, and Uranus, the new, the innovative, the lightning bolt, the, the fresh energy, that new way of seeing things. But that you, one of the things you said that's really important for us to remember is that conflict brings out strength. So where we're seeing this happen on the world stage, it's there's lots of conflict everywhere. We're all experiencing it in our lives. Yeah. Um, but but where that's happening in your own life as well, that that the conflict that's happening is has the potential to bring out your strength. Um, we have. Uh, so this is the, a closing square. So you brought up this crisis of consciousness, which I have questions about, but we're running out of time to go into them. Maybe we can talk about it next week. Like what exactly is a crisis of consciousness and how are the different ways that, that can play out? So I don't know if you'd be interested in talking about that, but I think it's interesting. Um, we have all the different areas of life that this is this storyline is playing out in. You brought we, we've, we talked about five or six. There's the world stage where it's playing out, and then there's your life where it's playing out. So being aware of this conflict within yourself. Yeah. June 10th, we have the eclipse. That's basically an echo of the eclipse we had yesterday. And so the themes that are up from that one are going to be continuing throughout the next two weeks. And would you say it's a crescendo of that or like a finality of that? Um. It's a crescendo. That doesn't mean it's the closing crescendo. Okay. <laughs> it's just one of many crescendos. Okay. We have, um, that's also with Mercury retro retrograde is conjunct that eclipse. So you're thinking that a communication piece is going to be revealed. There's going to be something around communication there. And yeah, what's yeah. real, whose illusion do you want to believe? Whose illusion do you believe? What's real? What's not real? Um, what we see is not what we get. Yeah. And then we have yes. June 5th, Mars opposes Pluto. This is, uh, we're still deconstructing. There's a still, there's still a deconstructing process happening. The things that started to deconstruct last year, that process is not over. Um, we have a power struggle energy around that. Mars is changing signs into Leo. 
We have, uh, and also Venus will be in Leo by the end of the month as well. And we have um, the sun going into Cancer. And we have Jupiter and Neptune going retrograde in Pisces. And this is where we also, we're also going to have a Pluto retrograde. And we also have Saturn in retrograde already, right? Correct, incorrect. Correct and correct or correct, incorrect? Correct and both, both, <laughs> both of those statements both. were true. Okay, so what you're saying, instead of breaking those down, like the individual energy of what those mean, it's basically this deep ocean current that's like, you can feel it. It's like moving the, the underwaters and moving them in the opposite direction that the tide is going, which is a really interesting visual. Yeah. Yeah. But, but that happens in the ocean all the time. Right. Right. Exactly. Okay. And then the other thing that was interesting that you brought up, I mean, you brought up so many interesting things, but this, the Chiron play here with Saturn, both in the first square, the second square and the third square, potentially giving us an opportunity to a new opportunity to heal old wounds. So right. looking at what those are in your own life, looking at the, what they are, some of the wounding that we feel as a collective humanity as well. Right. And maybe seeing that there could be new ways for us to heal these things, address these things, work towards these things. And I love what you did with the 90 degree angle where the 45 is in the middle. And yes, both sides have to give quite a bit in order to find that meeting point, but there is one. Yeah. Physicists call the 90 degree angle when two wave, when two sine waves meet at 90 degrees, that's the point of catch this maximum destruction in other words in other words neither wave can survive the other wave they both maximally interfere with each other because they're uh, once they're wider than 90 degrees theoretically they could kind of begin to ignore each other but at 90 degrees they're like entrapped they are mm -hmm. part of that same direction and yet they can't maintain their individual integrities Oh my God. I, I know everyone is feeling this. So it's so interesting to be experiencing the astrology, to have you helping to guide us through what it is we're feeling at a, at an energetic level. Um, and then there's always the invitation of how we get to work with these energies. So yeah. thank you, Rick. Thank you so much for all of this today. Thanks all of you for being here. Make sure that if you're interested in watching the chart demonstrations, I, 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 we got to come up with a name for this, Rick. I keep fumbling on the name, but watching Rick do live chart readings that are more than just a reading. It's actually an instructional experience of Rick's chart reading. We're going to be doing that uh, for four weeks, once a week in August. So we'd love to have you join us for that. To get on the wait list, go to astrologyhub.com slash charts. Also, make sure and sign up for the solstice panel that is happening next Thursday at our Cosmic Connection time. So that's uh, next Thursday, 4 o'clock Pacific, 7 o'clock Eastern. There's going to be seven astrologers talking about the rest of 2021 and into 2022. So that is entirely free. Please join us for that, astrologyhub.com slash solstice panel and wait and, uh, amanda when is that june 3rd that's a week from today yes so we're not doing this a week from today did i not say that already maybe you <laughs> did maybe, hopefully we already talked about rescheduling that one no no you said you might have said that but I, i'm just saying that to people who are yes. watching yes okay 
Yes, it'll be the Solstice panel instead of the instead Cosmic of, Connection good. next week. But then we'll be back with the Cosmic Connection the week after that. And, right, and go, go ahead. Yeah, I and feel we've been we've been like stop starting for a while, so it's going to be consistent. Go yes, ahead. but then that begs one other question and one other acknowledgement because several people in the chat box have typed that they've missed us because we were not here last week, and I would be remiss if I didn't say to you, welcome back, and are you post-vacationed? I am, yes. It, this All was right. the first time I've ever gone away where I really got to go away. It was amazing. My The team at Astrology Hub is the best. They're so incredible, so mm -hmm. solid. And I was like actually on vacation. I mean, I did yeah. like a few things for for um, Astrology Hub, but in general, but that it's been yeah. so nice because it was like a total stop. And now I have all this renewed energy and all this renewed, it's great. It's really Welcome helpful. back. Thank you. Thank you very much. Okay. And it's great to be back with all of you. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode, for being a part of our community, and as always, for making astrology a part of your life. We'll catch you on the next episode. Take care, everyone.